0: Lord, I pray that that would be true this morning, that we would be seekers of you. Lord, as was shared earlier this morning, it's easy to find ourselves in a rhythm and a routine and to walk through the motions, but I thank you that that is not true of you. I thank you that you do not walk through the motions as you dispense freely in our lives your love and your forgiveness, your grace. where we just invite your Spirit this morning to speak as he already has in our lives. Thank you for the truth of your word and pray that as we take a look at it, that you give us hearts sensitive, desiring for the seed of your word to fall and to grow. Thank you that... You are in this place, and we just invite you freely to speak. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You have a Bible, open it to Second Corinthians chapter 4. That's where we're headed. You've you got to stop and wonder about the, the guy that stole Bill McDonald's car. That's... Uh, you, you just thinking, you know, when you're cruising through heaven someday and asking people, "How'd you get here?" You know, "How'd you get here?" Well, you know, Moses preached, or so and so, and that poor guy's gonna go. Well, I stole a car, man. That's that's what happened. That that's how it all started in my life. I mean, that that's incredible. You just you gotta think that, you know, God's got about 400 angels that just permanently reside in that car, and that <laughs> that that gentleman or woman they have absolutely no chance. They they are Praise the Lord. God will even use Bill McDonald's car to bring people Amen. to Christ. That'll be a cool thing. Hey, uh, my name is Phil Payne, and I, I am thrilled to be here. I had the privilege of being in Ohio and Cleveland the last couple of days at a missions conference. And it uh, just just a, about a three-and-a-half-day deal. And so I, I kind of, when we put the travel together, said, hey, how much, much more to do a three-way and go through the West Coast and, and really... Partly, I I, I loved being here and and hanging out and seeing my family, partly because I knew I just needed to thaw out after being in Cleveland for a few days. I I have not been that cold in in a long, long time. We were talking uh, inside over coffee when the the Pioneers were going west, you know, and they they stopped. I I don't know what they were thinking. I, I really don't. The wagon wheel fell off or something happened or it must have been summertime because certainly they didn't stop there in winter miss out on on incredible california we are living in quito ecuador and we are having a a wonderful time we are enjoying god's ministry uh, in us and through us and seeing uh, just more and more open doors open up as we work with uh, expat young people international schools there just finished a week long spiritual emphasis at one of the schools and saw uh, many many students making decisions for christ and uh, exciting to know that as we see that happening there, the same thing is happening here, and, and that is exciting. As we think about that partnership, we work with nationals, work with Ecuadorians, and strengthen the church through youth ministry, and also work with short-term teams. So we are having a great time. We appreciate your partnership, and your prayers, and your support, and your love, and uh, definitely, as my kids affectionately know you guys as the Donut Church, we we love to be here anytime we can. Uh, my oldest daughter, Amber, is with me on this trip, and that was neat how the Lord worked that out. So we're having some good times uh, together as well. We'll be here in California until Friday. Well, one of my commitments uh, to you as I preach and other times as I preach is really just to share with you what God's been teaching me. And, and I think a lot of times if I study and preach and share, and someone will say, man, that was a, that was a... A lousy message or a great message, I'm okay with that because I really my commitment is just to, to share what God's been teaching me and what he's been, been putting his finger in my heart on. Living outside the U.S., we pay attention to uh, current events, as I'm sure you do, living inside it. And it is a, it's interesting to see outside perspective on that. It's interesting to read uh, international periodicals, read periodicals that are coming out of the United States, and seeing, and over the last handful of months, there have been two events that have been huge, and of which will be no surprise to you, that I think has been real interesting to look at those two things. One of them was a September 11th tragedy. I was actually scheduled to travel up to a, a college and speak that next week. We were supposed to leave on the 13th of September, and, and we didn't make it because everything shut down, everything internationally, everything in the U.S. But looking at that, just incredible tragedy of how many Hundreds and thousands of people and lives and families were impacted. And what a horrible thing. And yet out of that, scene, incredible patriotism that has happened in this country. Maybe reminded of it just a couple nights ago at the opening ceremonies of the Winter Olympics and seeing just the, the emotion just pouring out. And seeing the patriotism that has taken place, and Amber and I have commented several times on this trip, can you believe how many American flags are around? And as we drove through Ohio and through Illinois and different parts, and even as we flew and just saw, it is everywhere. And it is a time in this country where people are incredibly proud, and they should be, to be Americans. And to look at that and say, September 11th, an amazing tragedy took place. It's still being dealt with and will be dealt with for years and years, generations It will impact families. And yet the patriotism that has come out of that. And then the second event that obviously came up out of the, the war against terrorism was what's happening with John Walker Lind right now. I think John Walker Lind, without making a ton of comments, because I'm sure there are a lot of different perspectives in this room, but if he was ever going to choose a time in his life to not be very patriotic, he didn't choose a very good time. And I, I don't think he's going to get a whole lot of sympathy or empathy. I would hope if he does, he receives it from Christians, would be my perspective. I would hope before we uh, condemn him completely, we would also pray for him. But I think he's going to get a, a whole lot of, legal attention more than he ever thought he would dream of getting. And my own personal view is I'm not sure he has a whole lot of chance of not spending the rest of his life in prison. But it's been an interesting thing to look at of what the press is saying and what you hear people saying. read an article in the New Yorker recently posing the question that I think a lot of people are asking, and that is, why would he do that? Why would he leave the family that he was in? Why would he leave Northern California? Why why would he go through all the things he's done and, and look at where he's ended up? Look at where they found him in the basement and you know, wounded and 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 all the things that took place. Look at where he could have been and, and look at the choices that he's made. Why? Why? And some are asking that question out of curiosity, and some are asking that question out of disgust, and some are just saying, you know, I don't really care. Just just move him on and put him with him. That's what he wants. That's what he chose. And, and I think there's a lot of that sentiment going on. But I wonder this morning if there's not something that he's found or that he encountered that we couldn't learn from. I wonder if there isn't something in his life that maybe we should be embracing as well. And before it gets too uncomfortable in here, I'm not talking about Islam. Okay? I'm not. We could have that discussion another time, but I'm not talking about that. Some of you are going, who's preaching today? What's going on with this guy? I'm not talking about Islam, and I'm not talking about terrorism. But I am talking about passion. I am talking about Passion. And I think that young man passionately embraced a lifestyle, passionately embraced something that took him from a very comfortable home, from the opportunities of a great education, from the opportunities to live in comfort probably for the rest of his life. I think possibly John Walker Lynn passionately embraced the cause he did because he looked around and said, I'm not sure there's anything else to live for. I'm not sure there's anything else out there. Passion is defined as an outward expression of an inward commitment. An outward expression of an inward commitment, that's what passion is. We know passion in the sports world, don't we? Those of you that are Oakland Raider fans understand passion of the fans. Those of you that are not Oakland Raider fans think those people should get a job. <laughs> right? Way too much time on their hands. So with the whole school thing and the black and the paint and the jersey and the black hole and you know just a sign that there's a lot of unemployment in that particular sector. But if you happen to be one of the few that embrace that team, you say passionately, those people understand. And they love their team. But they're not the only one who represents a team passionately. And you go to the other side of the United States and see Green Bay Packer fans. That mystifies me a little bit, I've got to be honest. It's 22 below zero. Zero. They've left their homes voluntarily, paid money to sit in a seat that is now frozen. <laughs> Cheering for a team down there that is also frozen. And then they take their shirt off. Not real sure about that. Hey, part passion, part alcohol. Hey, both those things. Then they write letters on their body and jump up and down. And I think there's something proportionate to the amount of paint they put on and the amount of food that they eat. Because okay? there's a lot of space on those guys' bodies. Passionate. Okay? We would even say out of control. Fanatical. Only topped by the gentleman who goes to Denver Bronco games in a barrel. Okay? Have you seen him? They call him Barrel Man. He's been doing it the last 15, 18 years. Goes to the stadium, auctions off his clothes, and wears a barrel. You'll see him at every game in the end zone. Rumor is, there's nothing underneath the barrel. Personally, I don't want to know. Okay? I don't. Passionately represents the Broncos. Doesn't matter if it's hot, cold, snowing. He is out of control. We know passion in the sports world. There's a commercial that runs in Quito all the time about what they call football, soccer. And the slogan is, no passion, no football. Those two things go hand in hand. And having lived through a couple of games locally, our family would agree with that. There's a lot of passion here. There's a lot of excitement. There's a lot of dedication. There's a lot of of jumping up and down and saying, you know what, I'm committed to this team. I'm committed to this sport. It doesn't matter what anybody else thinks. I'm passionately committed. We know that in sports. We know that in movies. We know that in a lot of different ways. But I wonder if we know that as Christians. I wonder if we know that as followers of Jesus Christ. That I want to be passionate. Two questions I want to ask and answer this morning and challenge you to think about. Number one is why. Why do we need to be passionate? And number two is how. How do you live a passionate life? We're starting right here in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. In a few minutes we'll turn to Exodus 34. But right now in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, I want to read some verses to you. And we want to ask that question, why? Why be passionate about our faith? Why not just walk through the days and, and just say, you know what? This is the part of me here that, that loves Jesus and, and I'm not doing anything wrong and, 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 and I'm okay with that. Why, why push the envelope? Why, why, are you saying that, that we should be fanatical like those sports fans? maybe why why do that why be passionate about our faith 2nd Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 1 starts this way therefore since through God's mercy we have this ministry we do not lose heart now as intelligent readers of God's word we've got to ask ourselves a question when verse 1 starts out therefore since we have this ministry we've got to ask what what ministry Paul, writing to the Corinthians, passionate guy. What what are you talking about? And and we've got to go back. In my Bible, you turn the page, maybe in yours you look across. But we've got to go back to chapter 3, verse 6. Go there with me. 2 Corinthians 3, verse 6, he tells us what ministry we have. He, that's God, in verse 6 of 2 Corinthians 3, has made us competent as ministers of a new Covenant. That is not me and Adol and a few other people that stand up here and and preach and share. That's every single one of us. Every single one of us have been given the ministry. Every one of us. Incredible to be a part of the the early service here. And to see some of the young men stand up and share. Man, encourage that. Fan that flame. Keep that going. We have all been given that. Verse 6, He has made us competent as ministers of a new covenant. Not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. That's what he's talking about in verse 1. You and I have been called by God as ministers to give life. Not the letter. Not the rules. Not the legalism. Not the do's and the don'ts and the thou shalt's and the thou shalt not's. There is not freedom there. No, freedom comes from the Spirit of God. And every single one of us have been given that privilege. So he says in verse 1, Therefore, since through God's mercy we have this ministry, we do not lose heart. Rather, we have renounced secret and shameful ways. We do not use deception, nor do we distort the word of God. On the contrary, Paul writes, By setting forth the truth plainly, we commend ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. That's what he's talking about. I live every single day to give my life to other people passionately. Why? Here it comes. Verse 3. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. The God of this age, that's Satan himself, the God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel, the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. That's the first reason you and I have got to be passionate about our faith. Because Satan has blinded the minds of unbelievers. And we don't have to look far in our culture. We don't have to look far in our city. We don't have to look far in our state and our nation to realize that exact thing is true. That there's an awful lot of people with a veil hanging right over their eyes. And they cannot see spiritual things. And you know what's further along that same line is, is that they really don't care about spiritual things. In a postmodern world that we live in today, you know what? Truth does not matter. Can we be honest enough to say that? Truth doesn't matter. Josh McDowell, who has has represented God and and has debated many, many people over biblical issues and over a lot of issues, said this quote recently. You know, I used to walk onto university campuses and I would stand up to talk about Christ and I would have a whole bunch of people challenge me and say, you know what, that's not true and that's not true and that's not true. He said, now I go on a university campus and I stand up to talk about Christ. And you know what? Nobody cares. Nobody cares anymore. He said, the Christians show up. They care. But none of the unsaved people even care. Nobody debates truth anymore. And sometimes you and I want to hammer home the truth so much. And we want to talk about truth, truth, truth. We don't walk away from the truth for a second. But you know what? The world doesn't care about your truth. They don't. It doesn't make God's Word any less true. It doesn't make Christianity any less true. And if you want to have that discussion, we could have that discussion. There are mountains of evidence available to us. We are not walking blindly. God has given us so much validation for the Word of God. He's given us so much validation in science. This is not an intellectually bankrupt faith. No, there's truth. But in a postmodern world, The people you work with, the people you go to school with, don't care about your truth. You begin to share your faith, and we start out that, you know what, God loves you, has a wonderful plan for your life, and they instantly click in here in their head, you know what, I I, I don't even believe there is a God. You can't start there anymore. Has a wonderful plan for my life, that's wonderful, you have your plan, I'll have my plan. Satan has blinded the minds of the people around us. And you know what, they don't care about truth so you can't have a debate of truth with very many people anymore. You can't. Because what they say to you is, you know what, if that's what you believe, that's wonderful. You believe what you want to believe, and I'll believe what I want to believe, and please don't get in my way. And I'll allow you to do that if you want to go to church every day of the week. That's fine. Go for it. But if I don't do that, please don't get in my face. And you do what you want to do, and I'll do what I want to. Blinded the minds of unbelievers. And blinded it in such a way that as you walk through the classroom, as you walk through the university, as you walk through the high school, as you walk through your business, as you walk through your neighborhood, absolutely don't want to hear about your truth. They're blind. And if you're out there rubbing shoulders and elbows with the world, you know what I'm saying is true. They don't want to see the truth, but you know what they do want to see? They want to see you. They want to know in your life, is this really what you believe? Don't tell me about a compartmentalized section over here. I want to watch you. I want to see you. I want to evaluate you. I want to see your life. I want to see your marriage. I want to see your children. I want to see the way you are when things are going good. And I want to see you when things are going bad. I had dinner with a young lady in Ohio the other night. And she was, she's a nurse. And she was talking to me, and we were talking about this very subject of evangelism and sharing it. And she said, you know what, I, I don't share a lot verbally. I, you know, I, I'm just not sure. But she said, I, I try to do it every day. And, and, and I think that it's working. She said, I had somebody come to me just the other day and say, I've been watching you. I'm watching the way you put IVs in. I've been watching the way you take blood. I, I've been watching the way you handle patients who are out of control. I've been, I've been watching the way you empty bedpans with a smile on your face. She said, there's something different about you. What is it? Well, now that you ask, let me tell you. You and I have got to live passionate faith. We have got to live passionate faith. We have got to embrace the outward expression of our inward commitment in here. Because Satan has blinded the minds that they cannot see the light of the gospel, the glory of Glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Verse 5, for we do not preach ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. And then check out this verse in verse 6. For God, who said, let light shine out of darkness. When did he say that? He said it at creation, didn't he? He said it in Genesis chapter 1, and all the darkness and all the things that are taking place, out of his spoken word, he said, let light shine out of darkness, and it did. And it illumined. And there was day and there was night. There was the sun and the moon and the stars, and he said it was good. God's power spoke that into being. That same God who said, Let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. That's an amazing thought right there. That the same God that spoke light into existence and illumined the entire universe has put that same light in your heart if you know Jesus as your Savior. Why did he do it? He did it so that the glory of God that showed up on the face of Christ would also show up in your life. That's what it says. That's what it says. You put those two things together, we got a world walking around that absolutely blinded, their minds are blinded to the truth. They can't see it, they don't care about your truth. But God, who spoke light into existence, has put His light in your life. If you know Jesus as your Savior. And then check out the next verse. You say, well, I, I don't you know, I don't feel like he put it in my life. I, I don't feel like I have a lot of talents. I, I don't feel like there's a lot of things there. But he says, but we have, Paul writing this in verse 7, we have this treasure in jars of clay. Here's the cultural connection. They didn't have safes. They didn't have banks. They didn't have all those things. They would take a, a, an old jar of clay. Long before the band grabbed a hold of the name, they would take the just the, the jar of clay, they would just you know be a, a just a regular piece of pottery and you'd see it in their house and you'd think oh there's no value there there's nothing there and so if you were to come into a house and look for valuables you would not look at the jar of clay you wouldn't you would just walk right past it it was insignificant and it was in that insignificance that they would put their treasures they would put their money they would put their jewelry they would put the things that were valuable so that they you know it appears insignificant but there's such treasure inside And Paul writes, that's exactly what God has done in your life. Exactly what He's done in my life. He's taken His light and He's put it into your life. And even though you may feel insignificant, you may say, you know what, I don't have a lot of gifts and talents. It doesn't matter. It's not about your gifts and talents. It's about the light that shines inside you. It's about what He's done, not what you've done. And he writes right here. that he's given us this glory in the jar of clay. To show that this all-surpassing power, what's surpassing power? The surpassing power that changes lives and changes eternity is from God and not from us. We're hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. We're perplexed, but not in despair. We're persecuted, but we're not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. For we who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake. And then in verse 12, so then death is at work in us, but life is at work in you. Here's the point. The point is that you and I have got to live passionate Christianity. Because the world's not going to see it any other way. They're not. They might walk in the back door of this church and the people that do that is wonderful. They might go to some other church. They might go to a Bible conference. They might see it on TV. They might catch it on the radio. But that's not God's primary plan. It's not. No, God's primary plan is you, and God's primary plan is me. And not the pastors and the preachers and the teachers of the world. It's the average person, the average jar of clay, that he put his treasure on the inside. And you know what? That jar of clay gets up and goes to school every day. And that jar of clay goes to the grocery store. And that jar of clay goes to the neighbor's house. And that jar of clay goes to work. that jar of clay has a marriage and a family. And that jar of clay rubs up against people in the world who need to see the all-surpassing power that's on the inside. That's God's plan A for reaching the world. I would go so far as to say, you know what, I'm not sure he has plan B. You know, he looked at his disciples and they said, you know, Jesus has been incredible three years and, you know, amazing. And you keep talking about going away. Where are you going? He said, well, I'm going back to my father. but I will not leave you as orphans. I won't. I'll give you my spirit. I'll, I'll live inside you. And guys, it is up to you that as you're going in all of the world, make disciples. They didn't all go out and start 12 churches. They didn't go out and and start 12 radio programs. They they didn't go out and start, you know, 12 whatever campaigns. We like to come up with that system and we like to come up with that way to go, well, this is how people are going to hear. And I think sometimes God just says, hello, is there anybody home? I've already told you. It's your life. It's your life. And those guys went away from Jesus. And you know what? You and I have the gospel today because they did their job. They lived out their life. And they lived out their successes and their failures. Their good days and their bad days. The times where they rejoiced. The times where they said, man, what are we doing? They were honest people just like you and me. But the surpassing greatness of God lived inside them. As the surpassing greatness of God lives inside you. It's time for you and I to be a little fanatical and a little bit passionate about our faith. Because there's a world that is dying and going to hell. And they're dying faster and faster and faster. I wonder if you just think for a second about the circle of people God's put around you. Maybe they're at work, maybe they're at school, maybe they're in your neighborhood. Maybe you see them all the time. Do they see the surpassing greatness of God in you? Are you concerned for their souls? Are you concerned for their life? I think the why is pretty clear. I think most of us in this room would say, well, I, I don't necessarily disagree with you. The why is pretty clear. And I think the fact that most of you are here today, you say, you know what, I embrace that. I know we need to be passionate about our faith. I know people need to come to Christ. I'm just not really sure how. Well, that's not my gift. That's that's not what God's called me to do. I don't wear ties. To tell you the truth, I don't often either. But you know what? It's not about a gift or a talent. Turn with me back to Exodus 34. Exodus 34, and very quickly, I want to give you the how. We've talked about the why. Satan has blinded the minds of unbelievers. Postmodern world people do not care about truth. They do not want to hear your three points. They do not want to read your tract. They do not want to hear about this stuff. But you know what they do? They want to see your life. And God's put His power inside you. The surpassing power, the glory of God that was on Jesus' face is also available to you. The creator of the world who spoke light into existence, put that light in you. That's how much power exists. The why is clear. How about the how? How do we do it? One of my favorite stories in the Bible, right here, Exodus chapter 34. Verse 29 is where we're going to start. What's happened at this point is Moses went up before and he got the Ten Commandments and you know that God gave it to him and he came down, he's on the way down the first time of the Ten Commandments and he hears a bunch of stuff going on and he, and he hears, you know, and he says, man, it doesn't sound like weeping and it, it kind of sounds like a party and he gets to the bottom and he sees the children of Israel, you know, Moses has been gone for a while and they're, they're having a great time. And, you know, the, the golden calf's there and they're dancing and they're, you know, having an orgy and doing all the stuff that's going on. And then Aaron offers up that incredible excuse. But Moses says, what are you doing? And he says, well, I don't know what happened here, Moses. I I just got their jewelry together. I threw it in the fire and out came the calf. (laughs) That's what he says. And Moses says, pathetic, pal. Pathetic. How 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 have the people misled you so quickly? Moses' question was, what did they do to you to make this happen? Moses takes the Ten Commandments, boom, toss them on the ground. They are now the 530 Commandments. they all over the place. The, the verses we're going to read in a few minutes as Moses has gone back up. God has said, okay, take two. You know, get the people, settle it, get the sin out of there, and now, now I'll give it to you again. What a great God we serve. You know? God could have said, I gave it to you once, you blew it. But he didn't. He said, you know what, solve it, figure it out, do what you're doing, I'm still here. You know don't ever think that God is not still there. Sometimes you and I have those experiences in our life, don't we? The golden calf moments. Where we go, you know what, I don't know what I was thinking. I blew it. And God says, you know what, sort it out. I forgive you, I love you, come back. And that's what's taking place right here. That's what's taking place and and God says to Moses, I I want you to come up and and I just want you to come up, nobody else. Don't don't even let the cattle and the goats, don't, don't even let them graze on the side of Mount Sinai because my presence is going to be here. And Come on up. And check out verse 29. Exodus chapter 34 and verse 29. When Moses came down from Mount Sinai with the two tablets of the testimony in his hands, he was not aware. And his face was radiant because he's spoken with the Lord. When Aaron and all the Israelites saw Moses, his face was radiant and they were afraid to come near him, but Moses called to him. So Aaron and all the leaders of the community came back to him and he spoke to them. Afterward, all the Israelites came near him and he gave them all the commands the Lord had given him on Mount Sinai. Picture that Moses has been with God and he comes down and he is just glowing. Remember what Paul wrote in Corinthians? The all-surpassing of God's glory that was raiding on the face of Christ. That's what's raiding on Moses' face. The same thing. He is beaming. Beaming so much that the people were afraid of him. Moses, the sunscreen You forgot it. They don't know what's going on. And they start to back away from him. And he says, "No, no, "No, no, 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 let me come. Come here, let me tell you what the Lord has said. You want to know how to be passionate about Christ? It's exactly what Moses did. He spent time with God. And you know what? Sometimes we want, we want the, the complicated system, and, and you know we want the, the, the planner, and we want this, and we want that, and we want to go to the conference, and we want to go to the camp, and we want to do this, and we want to do that. And those are all wonderful things. But you and I cannot replace time with God. We can't. There is no quick way to do it. And in the middle of a, a drive-through society and a microwavable moment, where we sit with the popcorn and go, "Come on, pop to start my movie." Man, I knew I shouldn't have bought extra butter. It takes longer. And you're just going, "Yeah, what ever happened to Jiffy Pop?" You know where you put it on the thing? Hey, we know about Jiffy Pop. You know microwavable stuff. And we want the same thing from God. It doesn't happen. I, I took a bunch of students to the river. And, and we used to go to Lake Havasu for spring break. And we came from Lake Arrowhead in Southern California, live in the mountains. And, you know, it was like it'd be kind of mid-March, so we're coming out of wintertime. And we go to the river, and it was wonderful. we ski for a week. And we just have a blast. We'd a lot of unsaved kids, and saved kids mix them together and see God do great things. And we went and this one time we were there first day, we get everything set up and one of the girls, our leader, Stacy, was her name, and Stacy was as white as white gets. I mean you're just, you know, frosty the snowman candidate here. You you need some help. All right, she's a wonderful girl. She gets her she comes to me the first day at the end of the you know, end of Monday at the river, and she's kinda of walking like this. You know, and I mean she's just she's doing the Moses, she's just beaming. And I said, Stacy, what 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 what's going on? What you know, radiation, what happened to you? And she says, no, I, I feel like I really wanted a tan. And I said, well, that... you didn't get one, okay? It didn't work. <laughs> but what did you do? And she says, well, I, you know, I just thought I'd speed up the process a little bit. And, and so I, I went up over the hill and I, I laid on tinfoil. And I'm like, you has got to be kidding me, Stacy. You, you know, unbelievably smart girl here. You know, does it unplug? What happened? And she says, "She says, well, that, that's not all. And I said, Tell me. And she says, "Why well, I put baby oil on. All right, all right, hold on. Let me, let me see if I get this straight. You, you put oil over your body, wrap yourself in foil. Stacy, said, do that with potatoes, okay? Not people. <laughs> what are you thinking? And you know what she was thinking? She was thinking, I'll get a quick tan. And you know what? I've got to be honest. Sometimes I'm guilty of the exact same thinking when it comes to God. I'll go to church, and I'll get a quick tan. I'll go to camp, and I'll get a quick tan. I'll pop in this tape, and I'll, I'll get a quick tan. And you know, sometimes we get a little sunburn from God, and we go, ooh, wow, that's nice. But then it, it wears off, and we peel. Stacy walked around for the next couple days just miserable, miserable. She thought I could get a quick tan. You know, check out Moses. It, this wasn't a quick deal. You, you back up a verse and it says, Moses was there with the Lord 40 days and 40 nights without eating bread or drinking water. You know what? Uh, 40 days. Sometimes I struggle to spend 40 minutes with God. And then we wonder, why, why, why aren't we radiant? Well, why, why, how come I'm not passionate about God? I'm not passionate about God because I, I haven't spent any time with Him. I just went for the quick tan. There's no shortcuts, guys. No shortcuts. And the why is obvious. I hope it's obvious to you that we have to be passionate about our faith. The world could care less about what we say. They want to see who we are. And before you and I can share the gospel, I think we need to earn the right. You earn it the way you work. You earn it the way you talk. You earn it the way your marriage works. You earn it in your family. You earn it in all those areas. And it doesn't mean we don't make mistakes. Sometimes huge mistakes happen, and God is a God of second chance. And He says, come on back, and I love you, and I'll use you exactly like you are. The surpassing glory of God lives inside you. And I don't know how it works. But that surpassing greatness and that glory gets shined through our life as we spend time with Him. As we spend time with this book right here, and there are no shortcuts, and there are no easy ways, and there are no quick tans. As we take God's word and we just say, you know what, I spend time here. And I, and I know, I'm, I'm right there with you. We can come up with so many excuses, and so many reasons, and so many on and on and on and on and on. And I don't even want to go there. How, how bad do you want to reflect God? How much do you really believe that he wants you to be a passionate Christian? So do it. Take the time to realize that I have to be intentional. Moses, a chapter earlier, the reason he got to go to the mountain is because he said this to God. Show me your glory. Show me your glory. And God says, my my presence will go with you and I'll give you rest. And then Moses says to him in verse 13, if your presence does not go with us, don't send me from here. Because how will anyone know that you're pleased? And how will anybody distinguish who we are from anybody else on the planet if your presence isn't with us? Now, Moses has a pretty good perspective. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense, God. If you're not shining through my life, I don't want to go. I don't want to play. I don't want to work. I don't want to do any of it. Unless you go with me. And God says, you know what? I know you by name. I want you to come up to the mountain. I want you to spend some time with me. His face glowed. He was radiant. You know what God says to you today? I want you to come up to the mountain. I want to spend some time with you. Because there's a world out there that needs to hear about me. And I want you to tell them. You, You may not have to use any words to tell them. Live your life in such a way that they see it. Use words if necessary. You know, when people die in our society, in our culture, we write an obituary about them. You can open every paper and you can read obituaries from all over. Learned recently that the Greeks did not write obituaries, they only asked one question when people died Did he live with passion? That's it. That's all they wanted to know. Did she live with passion? Did he live with passion? And in their mind, they evaluated, was it a great life or was it not a great life, based on how they lived. Did they live with passion? i want to ask you the same question this morning. Are you living with passion? Are you living with an outward expression of an inward commitment? Oh, we got a lot of inward commitment. But what about outward expression? There's no way to get it, apart from spending time with God. There's no way to get it than carving it out. Getting so tired of the excuses that we set them off and say, you know what, I'll take this chunk of time, that's yours. I'm going to spend it with you. I'm going to know your word. I'm going to be a man or a woman who knows your word, who asks your spirit and your glory to show up in my life. And the glory of God that was on the face of Christ will be on your face and in your life. God will use you to turn your circle of friends upside down. He will. Are you living with passion? Let's pray. Lord, we get easily sidetracked on systems and directions and the desire for a quick tan. And I pray this morning you would just remind us that there is no such thing. Oh, we get a little sunburned occasionally and it peels so quickly. So, Lord, I pray for the young men and young women, adults and each one in this room. Lord, that we would again embrace how important it is to spend time with you. Lord, I thank you that in the example of Jesus, the the Son of God, God Himself, we read over and over and over again that He often withdrew to spend time with you. Lord, thank you for His life. Thank you for His disciples and followers. And thank you that they did the same. Thank you for those in this room that are diligently doing that, spending time with you. Use them in a great way. As they work, as they play, as... They move throughout. I pray that they live passionate lives, reflecting your glory. Lord, encourage them today. Let them know they're making a difference. Lord, for those that are kind of slumbering along in their faith, I pray that you would gently nod them. Hey, so you're a God of the second, and third, and fourth chance. You hey, call them today. Come on up to the mountain. Spend some time with me. I have my glory pass in front of you and for some they'll be glowing and they won't even know it. Because of your presence in their life. Lord, speak words of encouragement to us today. It's so for the power of your word and pray that it would continue to be effective. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.